Latin words related to citizen, which denotes a member of the city, a human social community. D.W. Brogan, in a 1949 book entitled The American Character, recognized one concept of civility in the comments of an English visitor to America, who was impressed by the air of friendliness and ease in a small Illinois town during the late 30s. I went to see a friend who lives in a small town in Illinois. We went together to the corner drugstore to get ice cream for supper. It was a scene familiar enough to me, the main street of a small American town on a Saturday night in late summer. There was, over the street and over the town, that indefinable American air of happiness and ease. There was that general friendliness and candor. People called each other by their given names. There were friendly inquiries and a few introductions of the visitor. It was a world where the ominous word stranger had been given a friendly flavor. In contrast, Olga Friedenberg, a cousin of the Russian author Boris Pasternak, described the uncivil, almost desperate quality of life in the Soviet Union in 1950. Wherever you looked, in all our institutions, in all our homes, Sklocka was brewing. Sklocka is a phenomenon born of our social order, an entirely new term and concept, not to be translated into any language of the civilized world. It's hard to define. It stands for base trivial hostility, unconscionable spite, breeding petty intrigues, the vicious pitting of one clique against another. It thrives on calumny, informing, spying, scheming, slander, the igniting of base passions. Sklocker is natural for people who have been incited to attack one another, who have been made bestial by desperation, who have been driven to the wall. What accounts for a civil atmosphere where people are neighborly and at ease with one another, where life is harmonious and optimistic rather than alienated and hostile? How is such a society created and sustained? And to what degree does a democratic political order depend on personal morality and character in regulating its social conduct? Some would say that civility or neighborliness is the essential glue that holds any society together. Others might describe civility as a nice but unnecessary feature of a workable social order. Some see civility as a special characteristic of certain culturally uniform societies. Others simply see it as a type of politeness, which has nothing to do with cultural unity and deeply shared values. As we will see, civility can also be understood to involve matters such as friendship, altruism, responsibility, dignity, and justice. When the world's first democratic society emerged in the Greek city-state of Athens, the philosopher Aristotle thought hard and long about whether societies can flourish without civility. And he wondered what can be done to maintain and nurture what he saw as a kind of friendship. We will begin by defining friendship and friendly feeling. 
We may describe friendly feeling toward anyone as wishing for him what you believe to be good things, not for your own sake, but for his, and being inclined, so far as you can, to bring these things about. A friend is one who feels thus and excites these feelings in return. Aristotle's theory of friendship is a fundamentally important aspect of how we might understand a properly ordered civil society, and it's worth our while to examine it in some detail. Aristotle believed that friendship has four central features. First, there's a feeling of goodwill, a wish for what is best for the friend's own sake. Second, there's a willingness to act upon that feeling of goodwill. Third, Aristotle says friendship is reciprocal. And fourth, he says that each friend mutually recognizes this feeling of active goodwill and reciprocity. Aristotle says a friend is one who is able to recognize and promote another person's interest without regard for his or her own interests. In this way, he says a friend is like a mother who would promote the interest of her child, even if she has to give it up to be raised by others. So there clearly is an element of altruism, that is, unselfish concern, within a true friendship, though there may be self-interested motivations as well. Aristotle says this attitude of goodwill is one element in friendship, but it is not all that friendship entails. Goodwill is a friendly sort of relation, but is not identical with friendship. It is not possible for people to be friends if they have not come to feel goodwill for each other. But those who feel goodwill are not friends, for they only wish well to those for whom they feel goodwill and would not do anything with them or take trouble for them. Aristotle argues that we humans are a naturally social kind of animal, and he describes us as political in the more ancient sense that relates to the Greek term polis, which denoted a city or civil community. Man is by nature a political animal, more of a political animal than bees or any other gregarious animal. To understand human civil behavior, Aristotle distinguishes among three kinds or levels of friendship based on either pleasure, usefulness, or noble character. Friendship being divided into three kinds, friends for the sake of pleasure or utility, being in this respect like each other, and friends for their own sake, that is, in virtue of their character. The highest kind of friendship is character friendship, where two virtuous people have a deep personal connection based on mutual respect. Such friends must have known each other long enough and well enough to admire each other's character. Perfect friendship is the friendship of men who are good and alike in virtue. Such friendship requires time and familiarity. Such a friendship is, as might be expected, permanent. But Aristotle says other, lesser friendships are possible. Such friendships may be based on usefulness or advantage, and these kinds of friendships are especially relevant to civility. Those who love each other for the sake of utility 
do not love each other for themselves, but in virtue of some good which they get from each other. For convenience, let's call this type of friendship an advantage friendship. It does not depend on mutual respect for such things as personal character or virtue. Advantage friendship is thus an impersonal and casual type of relationship. It does not require a long acquaintance. Of course, advantage friendship also tends not to be enduring. Such friendships then are easily dissolved if the parties do not remain like themselves. For if the one party is no longer useful, the other ceases to love him. We'd expect that most people would have only a few character friends, though they might have many advantage friends. According to Aristotle, advantage friendships usually develop from mutually beneficial relationships, which often begin in the workplace or in social, religious, political, and civic groups. The lesser friendships based on mutual advantage may seem shallow or motivated purely by self-interest, but Aristotle thinks they too can involve altruism and mutual respect, at least to some degree. Aristotle's key observation seems to be that all kinds of friendship, including advantage friendship, involve a kind of well-wishing that is more or less intense according to the type of friendship. With respect to each kind of friendship, there is a mutual and recognized love. And those who love each other wish well to each other in that respect in which they are friends. For example, let's think of two business associates who have a mutually profitable relationship. We would expect that the businessman's overriding concern would be for his profit. Yet he may also have a genuine fondness for some of his customers.